Amen. Thanks so much, Dan. Um, we were, I emailed out, I, I'm responsible for uh, coming up with who does the little greeting, you know, the welcome everybody announcements, that kind of thing. I emailed Dan earlier this week, like, Dan, can you do this? And he's like, yeah, of course, I can help out or whatever. And um, I was like, well, I'm trying to find ways to give you more visibility. <laughs> and we had a great laugh because I think like something is very right when the senior leader were having to find ways to give them visit. Would you agree with that? That's reflective of a leader who's like giving it away and empowering others and empowering the body to teach one another, to admonish one another, to encourage one another. Um, and I hope you've been encouraged by the additional voices that are coming forth. I, man, I certainly am, even in this series, just some new, um, some new teaching voices coming on board, and I'm just so, I feel so blessed by that, and, and honored to be a part of that group, and honored to certainly just even the, the behind-the-scenes uh, message teaching team meetings. We have these meetings on Tuesdays where we just kind of talk about, you know, the, the message a week and a half ahead, and it's so rich. It's just like this, like, Bible study, you know, you just leave like, wow, I can't possibly cover all that, but that was sure good. <laughs> and we've talked about how great would it be at some point, we might have a series where we just show the video of the teaching. Because you probably will be like, yeah, don't do the other thing. Just let us get the full, the full thing. But anyway, I'm DJ, one of the pastors here. It's great to, to be with you. Uh, we're in a teaching series on 1 John. It's called Beloved, uh, a look into 1 John. And uh, man, God is just speaking to us. If you haven't uh, heard the prior messages, you can go back and listen to those on YouTube. If you want to follow along with the message notes on version on your device, you can either access those directly through version looking at events, uh, or you can scan the QR code on the seat in front of you. There should be a link there to follow along. But, um, but uh, I hope you've been just getting uh, good things from the Word of God. Uh, Mark Marble brought in an introduction, just actually drawing our attention to the fact that it may be that the very last verse of 1 John, 1 John 5, verse 21, simply says this, little children, guard yourselves from idols. That doesn't seem to me like a very, like, I'm like, okay, like, you know, look at my cupboards, I don't see any gold, you know, statues, you know, like, you know, uh, Indiana Jones, you know, whatever, <laughs> like, uh, but there's, it's much more than that, isn't it? It's making false images of who Jesus is, kind of making our own version, and that can be good or bad. Because guess what? I mean, it can't be good. But I mean, it can be, <laughs> oftentimes, the picture we have of Jesus, what about this? What about if the picture you have of Jesus is insufficiently, is, is selling yourself short? I believe God's not happy. I just felt this walking up here this morning. I believe God's not happy with our Christianity. And you know where it begins? It's not that he's saying you need to do more stuff. Um, you're, you're, you're not doing enough. You're not trying hard enough. I think he's very unhappy with the lies that the enemy is speaking over his kids that we're believing. And guess what? As Pastor Dan shared during communion, if we don't get that we are holy and perfect, that word perfect, by the way, just to quick, this is not in the notes, but it, it, it comes from a word in, in Greek that means like when a telescope is fully extended, it's reaching the fullness of its purpose. So I think we have this image like, perfect, like I've never made a mistake. No, I, you know, fries our brain. No, it means brought to fullness. Brought to the fullness of our potential, to the fullness of his purpose for us, to the fullness of fruitfulness. 
If we don't get that we are holy and perfect by what? By the blood of Jesus, by the great high priest who poured out his own blood for us. If we don't get, it's not by me, it's not by how great I am and how hard I try and how many Bible verses I have memorized. It's only by Jesus and his blood and his death and resurrection. If we don't get that, guess what? Yeah, we're probably not gonna produce a ton of fruit. Guess what? We're not gonna walk in a bunch of love, are we? Because guess what? I'm like dry, dying on the vine. If, I, if the enemy can cut off the life flow of God into my spirit by getting me to believe a bunch of lies in the name of like, oh, this sounds more humble if I believe less about myself. Not if it's a lie from the pit of hell. That has nothing to do with humility. God is saying, you need to start hearing who, what I say about you, what I've done for you, how I look at you, righteous, holy, loved, adopted, forgiven. You need to start walking in those things because guess what? All the other good stuff that we're like, oh yeah, God wants this. God wants us to do that. God. Guess what? That flows from that. That's step one. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But I just believe, I'm, I'm just like, God is unhappy, but it's not because of what we think. It's because he's saying, come on, guys. Believe what I say about you. Believe, start believing. It comes by faith, God. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Say, even our faith. I think it's in 1 John chapter 4. Maybe uh, Josh will talk about it next, next week. But it's, it's a verse in 1 John. This is the victory, guys. If we want to know what's the victory, how to walk in the fullness, how to just be that like, woohoo, right? Do you ever walk around thinking there's got to be more than this? To the Christian walk, like, is this all there is? Just struggling, walking, feeling defeated, feeling like I'm not measuring up? Man, that sucks. I don't even know if you can say that in church, but it, <laughs> but it does. And the enemy's like, you know, having a heyday, because he's like, I'm getting them to buy my little lie over here. And man, if they just knew whew, what Jesus has done and how he looks at them and what he sees, what the Father sees through the blood of his own son. Whew, glory to Jesus. So, okay, that's just a warm-up. Uh, okay, so we're going to jump in. Chapter 3, we, we learned in chapter 1 that Jesus is our advocate who speaks again, lifts us up, comes close beside us. This is what advocate means, right? Comes close beside us and calls out on our behalf. Woo, Father, we got a winner here. He's not looking for, he's not looking for mistakes. He's not looking for sin. He's looking to call forth righteousness, right? He's actually, he, he, I got this picture. He's like a line judge in the NFL. You know, they're like right there on the line where the receiver is. But guess what? The receiver's not us. It's Jesus. And he always gets his toes inside. He's like, that's Jesus catching the ball of righteousness for you and for me. And the line judge is like, yes, he's in. He's in. He accomplished it. He's putting points on the board. For you, amen? That's, he's our advocate, guys, because it's his righteousness, not our own. Chapter two, man, we learned that, that um, Justin took us through the idea of uh, in the world, we think it's about knowing, accumulating knowledge, and then we get to a point where, wow, we have so much knowledge that we kind of know God, and then sometimes we choose to obey, and he's like, no. It's like in God, it's receiving his love is the first part of the step, and then we respond in obedience, and guess what? As we begin to walk in that, we come to know him more and more. So today we're going to jump into chapter 3. And, you guys ready? Okay, so uh, I'm going to read, uh, and probably we're only going to cover the first half of the chapter because there's just so much. You cannot expect anybody to teach 24 verses 
and remain a Christian <laughs> and have a good attitude. And, and you remain awake. So, you know, let's just call it what it is. So, so we're going to jump in. But I'm going to share with you something that I think will help you interpret the rest of the chapter. In fact, it'll probably be helpful to you as you read other chapters in, in 1 John. So let's read beginning with verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called, what? Children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, ooh, that's a good word. Beloved. Beloved. It's talking about you. Beloved. Beloved. It's God's word to you. Beloved. We are God's children now, already. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, Jesus, we shall be like him. Guys, this is in your future. We shall, you shall be like him. You shall be like Jesus. Because you shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Whew. Man, God's speaking over you, identity. Speaking over you, sonship. Somebody said that, you know, there's a literary technique in the Greek that's a chiasm. You know, A, B, C, C, B, A, you know, kind of thing. And that maybe that's found in, in 1 John. And that the meat, the, the very, the juiciest little, forgive me vegetarians, but, you know, that juicy just burger, a little oily, a little drippy, all over, you know, that's maybe in chapter 3. I don't know. Since I got assigned chapter three, I like to believe it is. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but man, the, I, I guarantee you, a big part of the meat is sonship. It's the love that the Father has shown to us. And here's, here's the cool thing. The very, what's the first word of that chapter? What? Love? No. I know, see, right? We're like, it can't be that. Like, surely he's not asking for the word see. Yes! That word see is actually a command. In the Greek, it's, forgive me because I'm not a Greek speaker or scholar, but I, something like horao, and it means to behold, to perceive, to see, to attend to, to stare at. Ooh, there's one. To stare at something. By implication, to discern clearly, to attend to, to take heed. Ooh, there's a lot there, isn't there? So now if I'm being told, hey, behold, look at this, stare at this, get this, pay attention to this. To what? To the love of the Father. Would you agree that might be step one in all that God wants to see in our lives? In everything that God wants you to do, everything, all the stuff. Man, oh, love our brother, lay down our lives. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of stuff is like, oh, oh, how do I, oh, that's scary. I don't know how to even, I don't even know how I would even begin to get there. Do you ever feel like that? Okay, step one, behold. Behold what? Set my stare, my focus on what? On the love the Father has given to me. That's where it begins, guys. If the, that's why the enemy spends so much time trying to cut that off. Because he can cut that off. As, what was... Um, Barney Fife used to say, anybody old enough to remember who Barney Fife is? Nip it in the bud. And <laughs> nip it in the bud. 
But here's the deal. If the enemy can cut us off at the pass with step one, get us to not see the love the Father has, guess what? He won the whole thing. He got the whole chimichanga. There's no fruit coming. There's no loving brothers. There's no abiding. There's no knowing God's love. Yeah, he, and that's why, he, that's why he focuses so much of his attention on the darkness. And, and, and until Jesus is revealed by the light of God, guys, it doesn't happen through anything we do. I don't have the power to turn the light on. But God loves you and me enough that he goes, turn the light on. I want them to see me and what, how I love them. That's the light. That's when he appears. That word appears is fanero. It means when something is, becomes visible, becomes apparent, becomes clear, right? Until I, if I'm, if I'm in the dark, I can't do anything. I can't move towards anything. I'm just like, I don't know. But once the light goes on, I can start to see something. And I can start to see something that I want to walk towards, right? I believe that's what it's telling us here. And, uh, okay, I'm going to skip. Yeah, okay. So I want to, I wanna, um, can I just bring you guys into a little cycle that I think it teaches? It's not like gospel. You don't have to agree with this or whatever. This is just kind of, as I read through this chapter, I think it's presenting to us uh, a cycle or, or a circle uh, of love. And so in honor of... Um, who was the guy who was in concert here uh, two nights ago in Denver? Vault. Thank you, Elton John. He's talked about it's the circle of love. Okay, no, I know he said life, but I'm going to call it the circle of love. If you could pull that up, Marcus. Here's something that, again, whatever else we get to or don't get to today, because I know I always pack way too much information in. But I think this is something you're going to be able to, to take with you. There are four verbs that appear repeatedly in, in this chapter. I haven't really looked at the other chapters as, as much, but in the Greek, they're all over the place in this chapter. And the first one is the one that we've talked about, behold. Man, God is wanting to turn the light on. He wants us to see and perceive what? Jesus, the Father's love. That's step one, guys. That's step one. Then there's another thing. There's another word called gnosko. That means to know. And gnosko is a very powerful word. In the Greek, it doesn't just mean to know here. It means to fully embrace and step into an experiential knowledge that really changes us. So, for example, in the story of Jesus and his birth, I think it's Mark, uh, well, I don't, I don't butcher. Anyway, in, 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 the, in the Gospels, um, it says, uh, when it talked about, you know, Mary uh, conceived of the Holy Spirit and, and carried uh, Jesus, and then it says, and Mary did not gnosko Joseph until after Jesus was born. Now, do you want me to get a whiteboard out or do we understand what a, a, a use, this is one use of the word gnosko. It's a very strong, doesn't get much more experiential than that. I mean, I, right? Yes? Guys, it's okay. We're brother, like, I'm not trying to be, I'm just making a point that when the Word of God is admonishing us to know God, to know, it's not just know facts and figures, it's to truly give ourselves and allow Him to come into our heart and our life in a way that is very intimate and that we guard from most people. So that's the second word. A third word 
is abide, right? Do you remember abide? So John seems to like this word. If you think about it, he uses it in the gospel, in his first gospel, uh, chapter 15, where he says, uh, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, remain in me, and you'll bear much fruit, right? Abide. This word abide can mean a ton of stuff. It can mean to remain in communion with, to keep in fellowship with. You know when I think of fellowship, what I think about? It's a very theological reality. The fellowship of the ring. Just checking to see who the sinners are. Watch secular, secular movies. Sinner, 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 sinner. Okay. Just kidding. I, you know, I'm not even that much of a Lord of the Rings nerd. My son, Levi, totally is. Peter knows this. He's watched them numerous times. He knows all the characters. But there's a point in, I think, the first movie where, like, this fellowship of the ring comes together, and there's a dwarf, and there's an elf um, who is Orlando Bloom with pointy ears. Kind of fun. It's probably worth just watching the movie for that. Uh, and then a couple of other random warrior dudes. One of them, I think, ends up being, like, the whole king of everything. Anyway, but, but like, they're agreed on a purpose. They're walking together towards Mordor, thank you, uh, to dispose of the ring, right? Like to, okay, so this ring that's, you know, very bad and corrupts everyone. So all that say, they're together in one purpose, with one mission. They're agreed upon, right? The Bible says, can two walk together lest they be agreed? Okay, these guys are agreed. Abide has that connotation of choosing to stay, choosing to remain Choosing to actually, that's why I put move in. Because it's almost like sometimes, have you found this to be true? Sometimes God will rock our world and just we get a, a, a true revelation of his love for us. We behold, we see the light goes on. Maybe we even like step into that and know his love and experience it. But then somehow life happens and we sort of, I don't know, get distracted, get busy, the enemy's lies continually, we start believing those again. And it was a visitation, but it didn't become a habitation. Does that make sense? Here's the cool thing, guys. God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us the ability, gives us the choice, and gives us the power to go, I don't, I'm not just going to allow it to be an occasional visitation. I'm moving in. I'm moving in with God. I'm moving in to my Father's house. I want to wake up and smell that coffee every morning. I want to go downstairs and have that avocado toast. I want to like, you know what I'm saying? I want this to be my regular life, my experience, where I live. The music that's coming from the Google Mini is instrumental jazz. Okay, that's my house. I don't know, whatever you listen to, I don't know. But like, what makes your house a place that you love? A place that you feel secure? a place that, that feels welcoming, a place that, right? That's God saying, guys, I want you to abide in me. I want this to be a place that you know you can count on. You know that my love is on the menu every day. You know that sonship is on the menu every day. You know that forgiveness and grace, companionship with me is on the menu every single day. You've moved in. I've invited you in, right? This is what I want. And then, there's that last word, which I put share because I think it combines later in this passage, we, we learn about loving one another, right? Whoever doesn't love their brother or sister is not walking in life. We learn that that's a significant part. Have you ever felt like you don't love people enough? 
Is it, when, when is it? Is it when you drive? Is it when you can't find the remote because your kids have moved back in with you and their dog? Sorry, Sorry a little too personal. Uh, and you're like, ah, where's and the Apple remotes? They're so small. You know what I'm saying? They're just like, they could make them bigger so they're easier to find. No, who else? When do you feel insufficient in loving? What was that? At work? Just getting frustrated with coworker, whatever. Yeah, what else? Other times? Yes, Rebecca. Frustrated with yourself? So not loving, coming back to what Dan is, is emphasizing from the Lord, that we've got to love ourselves. If we're going to love somebody else as myself, yeah, okay. I, I'm, you're not alone, I guarantee you. W what else? How do you, what? Annoyances and allowing those to just, just yeah, we don't respond in love. Uh, Mel Melanie? Mm, somebody asks us to do something inconvenient. And you kind of see that like. <laughs> so we have a routine when we go to bed, Cammie and I, letting you in on the Smith bedroom. We have two dogs. There's a sign above our bed that says, you, me, and the dogs. And it really is true. I mean, we're empty nesters, sort of. I mean, actually, our third son moved back in with his wife and his dog for, you know, six months. But technically, we're empty nesters. We have the empty nester, you know, card in our wallet. And the AARP male starting to har harass us, you know. But, but um, we have this thing. So we'll get in bed. We'll turn the lights off. Cammy, I mean, forgive me, babe. I'm just going to lovingly throw you under the bus. But just in love, in love. She, you know, does her thing, whatever, pajamas, blah, blah. She gets in bed, doesn't say anything, gets in bed, waits till I... You know, do my thing, take contacts out. Blah, blah, blah. I have a mouth guard because I snore. You know, blah, blah, blah. TMI. Anyway, but finally, you know, dogs are on our pillows. You know, they have first dibs. We have to sort of fight for like a third of our pillow. And when I turn the lights out and like, you know, you take that like, and then she's like, the dogs are thirsty. They need water. <laughs> Babe? Is it true? Confess before the Lord and, <laughs> and the congregation. She literally waits till that moment. I don't know. Why could not that have happened when I'm like, oh, walking around? Like, oh, yeah, you know, one minute. But it's, you know, often I was like, oh. and then when it's not that, it's like, you know, some other kind of pill or, you know, but anyway. But my point is, yes. That <laughs> Inconvenient, Melody. I'm feeling you, my sister. One more. When have you felt you fall short in loving someone? Mm. Ooh, young mom. Mm, okay. Okay, so looking at how other people parent and kind of going, oh, they're not doing it right. And just feeling a little judgmental, a little prideful. Wow. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah. Leslie's dog has her own silk pillow. Is this a thing? Is this done? Can you send me an Amazon link? Okay, we'll talk about it later. Well, 
there, that, wow, see, there you go. Win, win, win. <laughs> anyway, okay. So just this is something you can take with you because, and we're not going to have time to read the whole rest of this passage, but I believe that, that there is a process that God is inviting us into. And whenever you think about the fact that, hey, am I sharing well enough the love of God? Am I loving my kids well enough? Am I not being aggravated and irritable? Am I not loving? Remember, it doesn't begin there. Where does it begin? Behold. Am I beholding the love that the Father has for me? That I'm called a son of God? Are you beholding that you're a daughter of God? That he loves you? Think about the best dad you could ever imagine. Right? Maybe I hope you have a great dad in this, in this life. I was blessed to have a great dad. He went to be with the Lord 10 years ago. But, you know, he would always, I mean, and he became an even better and better dad, you know, over time, if that makes sense. I was born when he was 42. So I was the youngest and the most, I know you're not going to believe this. Because you see me as a quiet, compliant easy person to get along with, but I was the most <laughs> non-compliant of the four siblings. My oldest sister of the four came a close second, but we got the most corporal discipline. Um, so pretty much I ended up going on a pre-spanking plan. I just signed up like, just give me two spankings in the morning every day, and that'll you know, because typically I ended up ahead of like getting three or four that I actually probably deserved. No, I'm just messing. But, you know, my dad, of course, you know, being a little bit older and, and not having all the energy and stuff and then me coming along and it's like, oh, wow, okay. They called me the little tornado. But all that to say, he became an even better and better dad who loved to praise me and call out the giftings that he saw and would always cry when I sang, you know, back in the day, little cassette tapes, karaoke style in church. Who has a special, remember the special numbers? Who has a special number? <laughs> it's offering time. Brother DJ, come on down and sing us a special. But I'd say he would love his father's heart of pride. Think about, man, if you had a great dad like that or you are a great mom or a great dad or, you know, what were the things that they, how did they pour into you? How did they love you? How were they biased towards you? How did they believe the best about you? How did they believe you were going to go places? I hope you had that. If you didn't, God wants you to. And he describes that, right? In, in, in that early passage, he says, hey, I'm for you. The love the Father has for me. Goes on to talk about the fact of this, you know, nature, nurture. Is that something God provides in our lives, right? So if, if, if your biological father provided some DNA that gave you for better or for worse, I'm sorry, those with big noses or, you know, other features you don't love, your dad was partially to blame for that. But, um, Thankfully, most of our kids took after Cammie. But, um, you know, we, we give part of our nature, part of the things that, that kind of naturally we grow into, and we give part of nurture, right, of just creating an environment where they can see things modeled for them, where we can encourage them. Last night we had a young man say, my dad pushes me to persevere when I want to give up on stuff, when I want to take the easy way out. I have a dad, and he was sitting two seats over from him, I have a dad who doesn't let me do that and says, no, 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 son, like, stick with this. You need to, good things are on the other side, but you got to persevere. you got to be strong. you got to develop that strength of character, right? 
dads, good dads do so many things. And God is saying, I am that for you. I'm giving you a front row to Jesus, my son, your older brother, so that as you see him, as the lights go on, and more and more you, in fact, it doesn't even say when he is revealed. Okay, quick little side note. And I'm not really following my notes, so don't worry, all of you that are trying to trace like, oh my gosh, he's so far behind, we're gonna go till 12. No, we're not. Okay, but I just am rolling with this. I believe that, that he's saying this. Uh, that word says, when he is revealed, we will be like him. That word actually in the Greek is not when, it's actually if. If he is revealed, if the light shines on Jesus, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Do you think that has to wait until he comes back again? I mean, could there be an aspect of it that's fulfilled in fullness when he comes back? Sure, I'll give you that. But do you think that process begins now? I think it does. I think Jesus is saying, right? He said, no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I think he's invited us into a process where he's like, oh, man, as much as you want to behold, I want even more to reveal. So this works because you want to see me, I want to reveal myself to you. So he's saying, man, you got a front row seat to becoming more and more like me because you're seeing clearer and clearer who I am. It's a powerful, powerful thing. His DNA is in us. Okay, um, I'm going to read the next set of verses and ask the second question and then we'll be done. So, is, that, is, anybody, is this anything helpful so far? Don't lie. If you're like, should have stayed home and watched Stephen Furtick. It's too late. You can catch him on his YouTube channel. Okay, we're going to read uh, 4 through 10. Then I uh, have something that I believe God wants us to understand from this. Uh, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know, there's that word gnosko, you know that he appeared, who's he? You know that he appeared, Jesus appeared, in order to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who abides, remember that move in, abides? No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen, there's that word behold, or known, gnosko, him. You see these words kind of showing us like, man, there's a process of walking in the fullness of his cycle of love. Okay, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared, wait, I thought we already said that. Yes, there's two reasons. The first one was what? See if you were paying attention. To take away sins, thank you. This is the second time we see that phrase. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed, DNA, the word is sperma, seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Okay. I think the question that pops out in my mind that God is asking us in this, that we need to answer, and Marcus really brought into our teaching team the idea that, man, God goes 999 miles towards us, right? Like, he literally does 
everything. But there's still a step that he allows us to take towards him, right? Would you agree? There's still a choice that, that no matter how far he's come, to just be like, right here, you know, we, we have that choice. Like, there's just something we need to respond to enter his circle of love and righteousness and his life. So I think he's asking us, what kind of business are we in? What business are you in, right? Has anybody ever asked you that on an airplane? Hey, what kind of line, what line of work are you in? What do you do? Right? That's kind of one of the first questions when we meet somebody. I think this passage is asking us, what kind of work are we in? And this word for practice sin or practice righteousness, it isn't really practice like practicing on the piano. It's actually to construct, to build, to gather together, to prepare. That's what that word do, either sin or do or make righteousness. So we're given two options, right? Do you see that? We're given the option of being in the line that builds sin or in the line that builds righteousness. Does that make sense so far? Did you, did you kind of hear that, gather that? Okay, so here's the thing. Righteousness, we know already, is being declared in right standing with God by the judge, right? God is the judge. He's declared as righteous. What about sin? Okay, so the definition for sin. I'm so excited to preach on sin. Who knew, right? Who knew? It's, guys, when you really get what God's word says, it's actually, even sin is exciting. I mean, not doing it, but talking about it. Here's why. You can tweet that. Our pastor said sin is exciting. We'll have like 800 people here next week. What? No, but here's the thing. Okay, sin, you may have heard that part of the connotation of the Greek for sin is what? To miss the mark, right? And yes, it is, it is that absolutely. But the word hamartea in the Greek literally comes from two words. The first word is not, like un, like no to what's coming, not. And the second one is having a share in. Now let that sink in for a second. Sin is not having a share in. Yes, of course, missing the mark, I didn't have a share in what? The target, right? My arrow didn't have a share in the center of, of the bullseye. But what do you think, what do you think we're, God wants us to have a share in? What? Him. Relationship with him? What else? I don't know. What? Eternal life? Okay. Peace? Amen. What is the love of the Father? What does he have for us? What does he want for you? What? Love. He wants you to know your love by him and know you're valuable. Somebody else over here. Being perfect in him, knowing that it, he doesn't speak platitudes and flattery. If he says, you've been made perfect, you can take that to the bank. He doesn't joke around or say things he can't bring about or he aren't, that aren't real. Yeah, anybody else? Abundant life, even here and now, right? Man, that's what, do you agree that's the gospel? That is what God wants us to have a share in. He didn't have to do that. He owed us nothing. We rebelled against God. He literally could be like, well, good luck, guys. Have fun in hell. Right? He could have, but he didn't. Like, there's nothing that we could have earned or done. But he came so that we could have a share in his life. It is love, it is peace, it is abundance, it is sonship and daughterhood. So not having a, so he's asking us here in this passage, okay, 
Can you pull that, gra- that circle graphic back up? If you're stepping into my life-giving process, what line of work are you going to be in if you're beholding Jesus, allowing God to shine his light on who Jesus is and his love for you? If you're stepping every day into knowing him more, truly on the inside. If you're moving in, if you're, if you're choosing to say, God, I want more of you, Jesus. Man, I want to walk with you more. You're good to me. You're good for me. Man, I feel more loved when I'm around you. I feel more like I have value when I'm around you. I feel more, whatever, the more that I obey your commandments, the more peace I have, the, more, the less I hurt other people, the more I bring life and joy to those around me, right? I want more of you. Well, guess what? Then when it comes time to share, or what are we building, or what are we, oh, one other, one other, word, one other um, implication of this word to build, to do, righteousness or sin, it's producing like a tree. So when Jesus said a good tree bears or produces good fruit, a bad tree bears or produces. I'm sure you've heard this, right? A tree isn't like, there's an apple, boink, you know? No, it's, a, it's part of the natural process. The roots are going down into living water. Man, it's producing good, good apples. It's not it's not, we're not talking about some huge amount of effort here. We're talking about this is what God is inviting us into. So he's saying, hey, what line of business are you in? What line of work are you in? Tyrone, are you in the line of work of building, producing, planning, not having a share in God? Or are you in the line of work that says, I want righteousness. I want to build. I want to, to, to be in the line of work of, of helping myself step more and more into God's goodness and having a share with him and others around me having a share. What line of work are you in? Think about it. Does that change how we view what it says? No one born of God continues to practice sin. Does that help? Because the enemy comes around and goes, oh, you stubbed your toe, said a bad word. Oh, you had a lustful thought. Oh, you got angry at your spouse. Oh, you were impatient and took the last parking place. Uh, you didn't, you worried and allowed fear to consume you. You're not, you're walking in sin. You are clearly not planted in the river of life, next to the rivers of life. No, he's a liar. That is the enemy's a liar. He's been lying from the very beginning. That's his nature. In fact, uh, it goes on later in that passage and it tells us this. It tells us, um, or yeah, in, in that passage that we just read, It says that those who practice sin, those who are building a life that has no share in God and helping others, wanting others to to be, not have a share in God, are children of what? The devil. You know what that word actually means? Slander, accuse, and falsely criticize with the intention of severing a relationship. That's the word diabolos in the Greek. It's not even a noun, like speaking of it. It's, a, it's an adjective. So devilish, right? You are of the devilish one. You're being devilish if you are criticizing, accusing others, and slandering them in order to sever their relationship. We're walking in the spirit of the devil, capital D. What does the advocate do? Is it interesting, guys? Fun fact. The advocate is exactly the opposite. 
Jesus is coming alongside, close beside us, and is grabbing us and is lifting us up, speaking on our behalf to the Father, speaking his righteousness, speaking, as Dan said, you are perfect in me. You are holy in me. You are forgiven in me. You are redeemed in me. Do we believe it? What do you believe? What do you believe about yourself? Because here's the deal. We're never going to produce. We're never going to love. It goes on later in that chapter to talk about, hey, if we're in the light, we love our brothers and sisters. Right? We love. That's what we're producing. That's the line of work we're in. That's, the line, that's, the, that's what comes out of us. That's the kind of stuff we want to be working on. Is how can I help somebody else too know God like I know him? How can I help myself know him more and, and walk in him, abide in him? But we're never going to do it if we're believing the lies in step one that are keeping us from just getting in to this cycle that begins to grow, begins to bear fruit. Do you know what the last little part of that chapter is? And I'll end with this. The last paragraph in that chapter says, and this is how we reassure our hearts when our hearts condemn us because God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So when we're in this life-giving cycle of God, when we're in this circle of love where it starts with beholding his love, letting that soak in, knowing it, walking in it, choosing to move in, abide, and then yes, giving that, sharing that away, and then going in for more and for more. It says that actually gives us fodder and fuel to reassure hearts. Have anybody, do our hearts condemn us? Rebecca talked about it. Your heart condemning you? It's saying, hey, Open your eyes to the love that God has. Dan said it. Maybe it's through other people even. Speaking into your life. Hey, you matter to God. You have great value. Hey, that dish, that dessert that you brought to the thing, that was delicious. Whatever. Like we can receive words of love and affirmation. And get in that cycle where we begin to believe it. We begin to speak over ourselves what God says. Not make ourselves out to be a better judge than God. Talk about idolatry, guard yourselves from idols. When I'm saying my view of my own righteousness is more important than the, the judge view, I'm headed for trouble. That is the most arrogant, the most prideful. Talk about pride. If he says, I love you, I'm righteous, let's get on with, move in, and let's get on to the business of loving people and having some fun. No, I'm not righteous. Look at what I did. Look at what I'm buying. The, that is the most prideful rejection of who God is, guys. And it's keeping us, guys, it's robbing us blind. And God is saying, man, I want you to step into the truth. My truth is not how sinful you are, how ugly you are, how bad you are. My truth is that the blood of Jesus, what can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is the truth. And as we begin to step into that, guess what? We're going to start walking in that cycle, bearing forth good fruit, loving our brothers and our sisters reassuring our own heart if the enemy tries one more time to come in and condemn. And then it goes on to say this, when our hearts don't condemn us, we receive whatever we ask for in prayer. Double bonus. Ding, 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 ding. And I wonder if that includes because the way we're praying when we're in that cycle. Whoops, sorry. I was doing it wrong. Forgive me. No, that's the wrong. Yeah, anyway, when we're in that cycle, thank you. <laughs> Although on that screen, it's, it's, when we're in that cycle, guess what? I think even the way we pray starts to change. Because I re, I, I, I'm looking more at the love God has for me, the things he's setting me free from, 
We didn't even talk about in verse 2, the one who has this hope, or verse 3, the one who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure, right? So as I'm receiving the love and seeing his love for me, experiencing it, I'm moving in. I'm like, I don't want that nastiness that brings death. Peter and I have had numerous conversations about this, about our view of sin changes. It's not like, oh, it's so good, but God won't let me have it, right? No, it's like that nasty stuff brings death. It brings hurt. Anybody experience hurt in your marriage because of sin? Ooh, anybody experience hurt in your parenting because of sin? Anybody experience hurt in your own conscience and your own walk because of sin? Sin is nasty stuff. Man, it's of the devil, and it's meant to break that relationship. So we're like, the more that we're walking in this, the more we're like, no, man, don't get this stuff out. I want to walk in the love and the identity and the life that God has. God's like, yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, don't let the devil lie to you. Oh, you're just a sinner. No, you are not just a sinner. You are a son or daughter of God that has been made holy and righteous and complete by the blood of Jesus, who is walking in greater and greater love of your father, becoming more and more like Jesus and learning to love better and better and better. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, word, God. God, I just pray you would open our eyes, Lord. Break the lies of the devil. You're so sick and tired of the devil's lies over us. Both on the side of look at how bad you are or on the side of like, yeah, this is humility just to believe that you're just a dirty, rotten sinner and that's, don't even, don't even think I see you any other way. God, open our eyes. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that Paul prayed for in Ephesians 1.17. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better that we may know that it all begins by believing what you say. That is faith. It's not evaluating myself and being harsh on my own sin. It's believing what you say about me, about righteousness, and about a life free from sin. God, I pray that you would take this word, Holy Spirit. I'm sure there's parts I've missed. I'm sure there's parts I've overspoken, underspoken. But Holy Spirit, would you come and make this word alive in us? so that it sets us free from the cycle of discouragement, condemnation, fear, and lack of love and truly propels us into an abundant life that we haven't even dared dreamed of because that's what you want for us. That's how you're waiting to reveal yourself through us. Empower us. I break every lie in Jesus' name and we declare your truth your righteousness, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, your sacrifice. That's, we are a people who believe in the work of Jesus. That is, the first, that is what defines us. We're not a people who are trying to be good or act good or do good. We're a people changed by the perfection of Jesus, by the love of Jesus, and by the word of Jesus spoken over us. God, open our eyes to it. Let us be walking that way this week. Let others come to know you because of it, in Jesus' name.